Welcome to Legacy Church, Amelia Island. We pray that you are blessed by the message that you are about to hear, and we believe that it will help you leave a Christ-glorifying legacy for generations to come. Well, Legacy family, if you're excited to be in the house today, why don't you put your hands together? I'm glad to hear that. I am so thankful that we are together here in this community, this church family right here at Legacy Church. Um, let's just get, let's just get this, the things that we need to get out the way real quick. Okay. Who's excited about the Florida Georgia game yesterday? Just get it out the way. Go ahead. Who's excited about the game yesterday? Go ahead. Get your claps. Okay. Who's grieving from the game yesterday? Go ahead. Let me just see. Let's see you're just grieving. All right. We're praying for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and keep you in perfect peace. If you're joining us online from around the country or the world, there's this uh, cultural event called Florida Georgia Weekend. And it consumes our area. There's nowhere to park. There's nowhere to eat. You can't rent a car. Um, and that's what just happened. And so we have some who are celebrating and barking like a certain animal species. And some who are grieving. And so um, let, let, let's, let's get that out of the way. And, and if you're, you're, you have a hardship from that, maybe your NFL team will win today. Um, but if I haven't had the pleasure to meet you, my name is Carlos. And I have the privilege of pastoring this local community of believers. I'm a second generation pastor. It's a privilege of my life to be here with you here today. Um, as a church fan, we're heading into a new series. These are always fun where we get to position and prep where we're headed as a church and, and what the series is going to look like. And so the, the new series is called um, Heart for the Harvest. And so we're going to talk about what God sees as the harvest and things that are close to his heart when it talks about the harvest. And, and um, it's going to be, I believe, an encouraging, exciting series and really encourage you where you are in your faith and maybe even lead you to some areas of conviction and growth. And so for the next few moments, I want to talk today from this thought. Look at your neighbor and ask him this question. What harvest are you planning for? What harvest are you planning for? Truth be told, there's a lot of different harvests that you will have after this year is said and done for, but hopefully there's some also that you'll be aware of. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this great and awesome privilege to be gathered with your people in your house. Lord, you promise that when your word is open, you speak to your people. And so open our ears, open our eyes, give us hearts that are hungry for you. Any high thing that might distract from what you're saying, we pray remove and we'll let us just have a experience today, Lord, where we take a next step forward in your desire for our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Have you ever thought about the fixed laws of this world. Like no matter what side of the equation you'd be on, there's a fixed law that you just have to come in agreement with. So there's fixed laws like gravity. What goes up at some point must come down. The older you get, it comes down a lot quicker, it seems, right? There's, there's fixed laws that like buoyancy. Nobody's walking on water but Jesus. There's fixed laws where Water will turn to ice somewhere around 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that correct? I remember from back in the school days. Anybody know what it is? Celsius? Wow, okay, impressive. Um, there's this fixed law. You know that have to happen, right? If you're married, your wife has to be what? Right. <laughs> All the married folks laughed at the divorced people said, yeah, no, that didn't work for me. That didn't work for me, no. There's fixed laws in the world. If you raise children, they will talk back. It's just a thing. You know, you just got to prepare and plan for it. Um, it's just one of those fixed laws. And, 
these laws are so well known, so well observed, that to even try to compete or, or compete against or combat these laws, you're like, yeah, that's foolish. We know these laws are unchanging. They cannot change. Well, that's natural laws. When you read your Bible, you uncover a lot of different spiritual laws. Someone say spiritual laws. And throughout this series, we're going to unpack spiritual laws, which are unchanging, which cannot be changed. And a lot of them you can see and some of them you can't see, but you experience the result of them. And so I'm encouraged you can learn some spiritual laws to, that you can live by and walk by and, and maybe even teach some people around some spiritual laws. The first spiritual law I want to talk about as we begin this series, series is a spiritual law of seeds. Someone say seeds. Now I'm going to use this terminology seeds and sowing interchangeably if you're new to church life we have these what we call christianese we just we use christian terms we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about in the house right but when we use the word seeds or or sowing we're talking about we're putting something we're we're putting something into the ground and then something comes from that is is what we're going to mean around that but i want to read you something here very early in on your bible and so if you're a new bible reader uh, you don't have to open your bible very far open your app very far genesis chapter 1 verse 12 there's something unique that God begins to teach humanity. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Genesis is the etymology, i.e. the name Genesis, the aforementioned name Genesis. It's where everything begins. And so as you read it, you have to read through this lens. This is what God desires. This is how God is creating a, a planet, a universe. And what's so interesting is God creates a planet in the universe. It's detailed. It's, it's annotated. There are notes. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 12. If you can't find Genesis chapter 1, um, phone a friend. First, first chapter in your Bible. First chapter to the left. All right, if, if you're looking for someone, help them, please. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 12. What you're going to find here is God begins to develop a thought that, honestly, I'm still learning and I'm still uncovering because the more I began studying this, I'm like, I don't feel like I fully grasp this. So we're going to journey together today. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, watch what God begins to unpack for humanity. He says this, the land produced vegetation Plants bearing seed. Someone say seed. Here's what he's giving some understanding around. According to their kind and trees bearing fruit with, once again, seed in, in it according to their kind. And God saw it was good. And there was evening and there was morning and that was the third day. So what we're going to see is that in just a few days of the universe being created, God creates this concept, this concept natural but really it's spiritual, and you see what I mean. It's, 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 it's natural in a sense that in an agrarian culture and in a culture of ours, no matter what, if you put something in the ground, something will come from it. And this principle that God is creating, and you should know this, God creates principles that you and I can understand both naturally and spiritually. And when you read the Bible, that's what he wants us to see. So in our culture, you'll hear things that we'll talk about, sowing and seeds, and really what all dates back to is the third day of creation is what God is setting the framework, setting his providence, setting the idea, the understanding of here's how God works in the natural, here's how God works in the spiritual. Oftentimes in our culture, there's a lot of messaging around the harvest, you know, what you get from something, but there's not a ton of teaching around the sowing portion. And by the end of this message, I hope you know what season of life you're in, because some of you, and this goes for various areas of life. Let me be very clear and very balanced in this message. It goes for various areas of life. But right now, in different areas, you are in the sowing area of life, the tilling area. Anybody ever till the ground? That's not easy stuff, right? 
Why are you guys laughing at me? Like, I don't know if I've ever planted something. <laughs> Full disclosure, I have not. But I would think if I got a rake one day, which I bought my first shovel this past year. Did I tell you guys that? I bought my first shovel this past year. It was really cool. Um, I said, Dad, can I buy a shovel or can I borrow a shovel? He goes, you are a 41-year-old man. Go buy your own shovel. <laughs> I said, I guess it's about time. All right, fair enough. But there are seasons of tilling, which I assume is hard, but you're tilling the ground, and there are seasons where you are getting what, out of what you have sown and what you have tilled. And so for, for much of this message, we'll talk from a financial perspective, we'll talk from a, a sowing, a tithing, and offering perspective. You say, well, why we have that perspective? Well, very clearly, over 2,000 verses in the Bible, do you know what they deal with? Finances and possessions. And it's amazing, the human condition, the human heart, we are so built to love finances. We are so built to get degrees. We're so built to network. We are so built to invest in the right things. We are so built to honor big corporations. We are so built to, right now, you know where you're shopping after service, right? But the moment the framework comes around sowing and seed in in a gathering, we get, I don't know if weird's the right word, um, our butts get tight, that might be a right word. Uh, we get nervous, that might be a right word. We open up the ESPN app, which that might be a right word. We get really weird in those spaces. And you know how I know that? Because I used to sit where you were sitting. And I would watch, but here's the thing. I watched my, my, my parents, and, and then I got married, and I watched God do great things as I sowed in my life. And I began to look forward to these kind of opportunities to learn, to understand. Like, I was wanting to be a top giver in my church because I understood different values and principles that God set out from the very beginning. Even in Jesus' ministry, are you aware, this might shock you, 15% of his ministry had to do with finances and possessions? Tough crowd, I would imagine. First century Jerusalem, poverty-stricken, most of them, like for real, for real poverty-stricken. Tough crowd, I would imagine, right? But there's a principle, because Jesus, do you know what he was trying to get after? Not the pocket, but what? First century Jerusalem, people with no education, people who literally would have like one meal a day, there is this bigger principle that Jesus is teasing out, that we see Genesis is teasing out, that there is going to be a principle, there's going to be a precept that we are to follow to understand what a seed looks like, and then eventually, some say eventually, what a harvest looks like. And when you hear a message like this in this very unbalanced, the whole message is what? Get, 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 get. Harvest, 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 harvest. God wants to open doors, open doors, open doors, open doors. If you live long enough... So my old folks, you want some closed doors. You don't want every door to open. Not in relationships, not in career, not in investments, not in, in friendships, not in marriage. Like you want some closed doors for your children. You want some closed doors for your just, just, just some margin in life. Like God closed some doors. And so there's a lot that God is doing in this. And I can't nearly share everything on my heart this morning, but I want to give you a snapshot of what God's developing. So I'm reading the Bible just like you're reading the Bible. And I'm like, God, help me understand the concept. Help me see what, what you want me to see in this. And so I'm reading through Genesis, first page of your Bible, chapter 1, verse 12. And so I'm going to see where the next appearance is of this idea of seed and what this looks like. And so you know where it takes me? Just seven chapters to your right. So if you're in Genesis chapter 1 in your app or in your actual Bible, any leather-bound Bibles in the house today? Any rich-smelling Bibles? The smell of leather? This is what 1989 smells like right here. It's just 1989 leather. But just go seven, seven chapters, might be a couple pages to your right. 
And what you're going to see in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, is now a whole different sequence of events. Let me tell you what happened. Anybody know what happened in Genesis chapter 7? Any Bible scholars out there? Genesis chapter 7, what happened? It's a pretty big event. Noah and the flood. Noah and the flood. God just had it. You know, as a parent, when you've had it, we're done. We ain't going nowhere, right? Everybody just leave me alone. At least that's what Courtney says, not me. Like, I'm very patient. I'm very kind. I don't ever say go to your rooms. I don't ever say don't talk to me. I don't ever say we're through, right? I never say that we're through with this conversation. I never say that. It's Courtney. Pray for her. Um, <laughs> but God is through. He said every inkling, every thought of humanity, it's evil. I am starting the slate over. I'm wiping the Monopoly board clear. Anybody have a sibling like that when they lost, they'd wipe the Monopoly board clear? My older sister, if you're watching, Bianca, she was like that. Um, he wipes the, the slate clear. What is it? The flood. And so he puts Noah and his family on the boat, and he starts humanity from a fresh and a new. That's chapter 7. When you get into chapter 8, there's this repositioning, this reposturing of humanity, of the universe, and what it's going to look like to live for God and to honor him. And wouldn't you know it, a seed makes it into the conversation. I'm shocked. Like in my study, I'm shocked that this is happening so soon, yet again, and God is preparing his people. Now, after the flood, there's a lot of things I would maybe think God would talk to about after he wipes the universe clean of people and humanity. This is where he goes. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. Read this with me. It says, as long as the earth endures, someone say seed time and harvest. Did you notice which one came first? Seed, and then there's a time frame before the what? The harvest, and we're just harvest, harvest, doors, doors, promotion, promotion. But like, God is like, oh, but if you could focus on the seed, if you could focus on the seed in your home and focus on the seed in your mind and your heart, focus on the seed in how you deal with humanity, if you focus on that in between that time that God does special and great things, you'll, you'll see the harvest that God desires. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, someone say will never cease. These are principles, as long as the earth remains, we are told will never cease. And so he gives us, what does he give us here? He gives us the understanding. He gives us four seasons. Anybody like the seasons? Anybody miss the seasons being in Florida? All right, we don't get seasons here. Just, just summer and a little less summer, pretty much. And a lot of humidity. But he gives us the seasons, but more importantly, he says, as the earth remains, what is there? There's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. He lets Noah and his sons and his family know this is what you are. This is what you should be aware of. This is what should be on your mind. This is the posture, the framework which we are going to go about this world. He already addressed it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 12. Now he addresses it yet again in Genesis 8, 22. Something that he, he postures to them and he tells us here today, and I want you to see this. He shows us that a fixed law can help or a fixed law can hinder. It's good to know the laws. How many of you know that? It's good to not be incarcerated. It's good to know what to do and not to do. It's good to know fixed laws to abide by, and they benefit you. It's good to know the fixed laws that if you don't abide by, that can hinder you. As we get this understanding of seed and, and, and the culture and, and, and the universe, we see that we have people, real depictions of the Bible, that it helped them when they abided by this, this seed. Genesis chapter 26, a few more chapters now to your right. We're just making our way through Genesis here, as you can tell. 
because I want to show you the etymology of how God's heart is and how God created humanity in the universe. It says this. It says, then Isaac did what? Sowed. And so remember, at the top of the message, I talked about, we use these Christian terminologies, seeds and sowing. That means Isaac understood enough from watching his father that if you held the seed in your hand, there'd be no harvest. That if you ate that seed, it wouldn't reproduce after its own kind. Isaac understood he had to be generous in areas of his life to see what we're about to see. It says, and Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Anybody ever heard this message preached on, around Scripture like this? And what is the focus? A hundredfold, a hundredfold, a hundredfold. But when you read the Bible, what is the focus? Seed and sowing. Like we, we, we make it very humanistic. We make it very, like, this is what I wanted to say. No, the focus is on the sowing. See, he learned from the God of Abraham, didn't he? Now Isaac has his chance to not hold the seed, but put it into the ground. And what we are told is that in God's time, see, that's the thing. It's kind of like watching uh, one of those home uh, renovation shows. And like they go from, oh, this is what it was, and then this is what it is after, the, the before and after. Anybody ever done a renovation in your own home? We were dumb enough to do this during COVID. And it was the worst thing ever. Five people, one bathroom. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, right? It was a true story. I'm talking teeth brushing. I'm talking going to the bathroom. I'm talking showers. It got weird fast. And so in here, it's kind of like the home renovation show. Like, you are told and you are shown that Isaac puts a seed into the land, into the ground, and then you're told a hundredfold the harvest, but you're not given a timeline. You're not given the struggle in between. You're not given the hardship and the heartache that he had to trust that if he put a seed in the ground, there was going to be something to come from it. You are not told that there was influence maybe around him that said, yeah, you probably shouldn't, or you probably should uh, maybe hedge your bets a little more than that, or did God really say, did God really mean, do you have to be like your father, Abraham? Do you have to sow in that way? See, we're not given that, but humanity will tell you that was there. That's in between the lines. That's what's going on in real time. And what you see here is that a fixed law is in order, and God honors that fixed law. And they even celebrate that fixed law in the Feast of First Fruits. You see that happening. But then something happened that I wasn't prepared for. We talked about the fixed law. God shows us the fixed law in Genesis 1 and Genesis 8. But watch what happens. Do you see, this is where it's a balanced approach. If we just talk about give a tithe, what's a tithe? Everybody knows a tithe, right, in this house? What's a tithe? Okay, you were scaring me for a second. Like, all right, we're... we're Church is shutting down next week, guys. We don't know what a tithe, a 10% is. All right, what's the offering? Over and above 10% from your heart, all good. Okay, so we understand those principles, right? Those are fixed laws. But watch what happens here. God changed a fixed law predicated on the posture of our heart. So can I get real transparent with you really quick? Can we do this together? I've heard this preach. I've been a part of situations. I've been at conferences. I've been in things like that, and they're like, you sow this and you get this. You give your tithe, you get your offerings, and be ready in 30 days and 60 days and 90 days. Here's the challenge. Like, yeah, that, that seems a bit like heresy. I don't know. This is my personal opinion. A little bit heretical there. Like, you're, you're getting kind of off track there. Like, I don't remember Jesus saying that exactly. Um, but here's the balanced approach, and I want to show you something here. The Lord says you can give your tithe. You'd honor the law. You can give your offering. 
You'd honor a spirit of generosity, just like Jesus, right? But what you would miss if you weren't obedient and your heart wasn't right with God and you weren't loving your neighbor or loving your spouse and you weren't serving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, are you aware, I'm going to show you this, this this is great, that God can suspend his laws? Watch this. Leviticus chapter 26. Now I'm taking, I know, from Genesis, Exodus, the third book, to your right. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 15. Watch this. I hear all those pages turn, so I'm going to give you some time. Leviticus 26, verse 15. Verse 15 says, And if you reject my decrees, who's he talking to? Israel. Okay, Israel is God's people. He forms a people before a nation. If you reject my decrees and abhor my laws, we're told, you will plant what? You will plant a seed, how? In vain, because your enemies will eat it. Do you see the balanced approach from God? You can't just give a tithe, give an offering, put your name on a building, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they sit in their seat and no one touches because of how much they have and how much they give. He said, in your heart, not be right. And you be disobedient. Do you see how balanced the Bible is and how we have to be very careful to teach and preach a balanced understanding of God's word? Where he's like, you can, you can participate in these laws, but what we see here is that God temporarily suspends this law when our hearts are far from him, when we dishonor him, when we live willfully in disobedience, willfully in sin, when we allow compromise to be consistent. We allow compromise to be consistent. We operate in the gray areas. When we begin to ask the questions, did God really save? When we begin to take things in our own way and, and, and walk in our own ways, when we begin to not follow his precepts and his principles, he says, yeah, this is not what I desire. He wants what? Our heart. He, he wants us to have a relationship with him that is wide open for him to lead and guide us in everything. Are you seeing that? Anybody surprised by that? that God would suspend a harvest if our heart is far from him. But God, I gave this much. Like, I'm a big deal, God. Like, I'm giving 10%. Isn't this my membership fee or dues for going to heaven? Right? Anybody have thought like that? Like, this is my membership fee. Like, I've got to give 10%. And then over and above, based on how good I'm feeling that week, if Georgia, Florida wins, depending, I may get more offering, I may give less. I don't know. It just depends. But God is saying, ah, you're missing it. I want you to have this reciprocal relationship with me that you serve me and love me, and that you live for my precepts and principles, and that you walk by faith and not by sight, and that you have a hunger for the things of God, and that you give cheerfully, not begrudgingly, and that you love and that you're generous, not just with your pocket, but with your heart and with your time and with your resources. You're generous, you're generous with your wisdom and your experience. Do you see what God is saying? This is missed, I feel, way too much. Way too much. God is bigger than a dollar. God is bigger than 10%. God is bigger than an offering. The Bible says he has a cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. He's bigger than all of this. Let's not put God in our size box. Let's let him expand that box. Let's let him be God. Let's remember the earth is the Lord's, and let's remember the earth is his footstool. I think oftentimes we get in these conversations, and the reason why it gets maybe weird or it gets maybe stiff and it gets maybe kind of strange is because we're missing the balanced approach. God wants us to experience the fullness of him in every way. 
It's like when you're raising your children or you mentor somebody. Like, you get that there's, there, there's a lot to life that you've got to teach them to understand the balance of pros. They can live a full life, right? It can't all just be about education. It can't all just be about friends. It just can't all be about making money, right? You try to teach your kids that there's a balanced approach to life and how that looks like. And, and, and this is what God's desire for us is as well. But watch this. It's more than just an agricultural principle. When we sow seeds, it's like a truth serum. You guys know what truth serum is, right? Like you, you start telling the truth. The seeds you have sown or not sown, watch this, they're telling the truth on you. They're telling the truth on you. I remember one time, I think it was Naomi or something, and we were like in, in, a, in a crowd of people, and um, she goes, she was, I don't know how we got in the conversation, but she goes, yeah, when mom and dad are fighting, they go to their room, they close the door. I'm like, what? Wait, Naomi, we don't fight? It's like a truth serum. Seeds of sowing, watch this. Seeds of sowing, they're a truth serum for your relationships, for your finances, for your heart, for, for how you go about life. It's a truth serum. Galatians 6, 7 tells us the truth serum of sowing seeds. Watch this. It says, do not be deceived. God is, God is not usually. God is sometimes not. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. You and I are living in what we have sown. You and I are currently sowing what we're about to live in. And you don't have to try to convince me you have a healthy marriage. It will be seen. You don't have to try to convince me you do Bible studies in your home with your kids. You do Shabbat. Um, you don't have to convince me that you've been in church all these years. You don't have to convince me you're generous and you give a tithe and offering. You don't have to convince me that you, you, you witness on your job and you're a light in a dark world. You don't have to convince me of anything. It will show. It will show. I learned this years ago that it doesn't matter what people say about you. You know a tree by its what? Fruit. The seed is a great truth serum. You don't have to tell me you spend time with God and you read your Bible. I'll see it in your demeanor and how you demonstrate love and life, how quickly you get ticked off, how quickly you revert back to that old person. You ever heard somebody say, you're lucky I'm saved? Like, we got to get past that one. I'm just saying, we got to get past that one. Like, if I wasn't saved, if I didn't just read my Bible, like, what would you do? I'm sorry. I'm a little nervous right now. Like, we, we've, we've got to get to a space where we understand that the time talking has ended. The seeds that we're sowing in every area of our life, I want to be very clear, not just financial, are very, very clear. I personally don't know anyone, and I don't have the scripture queued up to share with you today, I don't know anyone who gives faithfully and committed to God, and God owes them. The Bible says God will be a debtor to no man. I don't know anybody like that. None of my whole life I've ever met anyone like that. Why? Because it's a truth serum. If I offer God my finances, if I give him faith and commitment, well, he's got a vested interest in this area of my life. Sowing and reaping, watch this, implies a weight. And here's where you and I are at a great disadvantage. Anyone grow up on a farm in here? Okay. All five or six, maybe. All right. The rest of us, a complete disadvantage. Why? Because we don't have a concept of putting something in the ground and it taking time to come out. We don't have that concept. Like, 
in first century Jerusalem, or you five or six farmers in here, and I don't know if I believe that you're farmers, but you said that you were, you don't, we don't have to convince them that it takes time for a seed to go on the ground and then for heart. We don't have to convince them. But for me and for the rest of us, the only thing that we farm is deals at the town center and online. We're, we, we, we get it, we get it, we go. It takes convincing us. So you're telling me, God, the things that I'm doing today, the things that I'm sowing today are my tithe and my offering, things I'm sowing today financially, putting you first and putting stuff, we all have stuff, whatever that stuff is, putting that stuff secondary, you're telling me that in due time there'll be a blessing from that, there'll be a harvest from that? Yes, that's accurate. But the convincing comes with being able to wait. The seed, time, and then the harvest. This is the hard part for many of us in here today. The farmer doesn't have to be convinced, you and I have to be convinced that nothing good grows overnight. Nothing good grows overnight. And if anybody ever tells you that, send them back to their YouTube channel, please. Nothing good comes overnight. Nothing good comes in 30, 60, 90 days. It comes in God's time, which can happen in 30, 60, 90 days, but not because you and I do something. Our job is surrender, obedience, commitment, and faithfulness to God. I understand a message like this is difficult because some of you are going to have to make up your minds today. Will you sow? Will you be faithful to the 10% that God ah, offers? I was going to say demands and requires, but it's an offer. It really is. You get to be a part of what he wants to do in all the earth. You're going to have to make a decision, and for some of you, it's going to be difficult. It really is because you're going to have to change generational, watch this, seeds that have been planted because your parents didn't tithe or give offering, and your friends don't tithe and give offering. And so for you, you're going to have to, but I have never seen those seeds before. And it might be some sorrow because you might not be in a great financial place. But watch what the psalmist says. This is actually David speaking. Watch what the psalmist says. He says in Psalms 126, those who sow with tears will reap with the songs of joy. Those who sow with songs or with tears will reap with songs of joy. And I want to open that up because some of you will begin to sow financially today, but others of you will begin to sow in relationships and cutting back some things that are ungodly, and it's going to hurt. Do you see how this is a bigger message than just financially? There are some ways today, because some of you are already tithing. You're already giving 10%. You're giving over and above. So you need to open this message up today. And you're sowing right now, and it hurts. You're sowing forgiveness. You're sowing love. You're sowing obedience. You're serving, you're sowing commitment to the things that God has called you to and everybody else walked away from it. And you're sowing right now and it's sorrowful and it hurts. But the Bible promises if you sow the way that God desires, there's a song of joy coming your way that not even Taylor Swift can write. It's that good. Galatians reminds us about something super important. And for all you that are waiting on the harvest, here's where that part comes. Galatians reminds us about the waiting time, the period that comes from the time we plant a seed, we, we plant a tithe, we plant an offering, we plant forgiveness, we plant love, we plant, uh, I'm going to commit to the things of God, I'm going to be in a healthy church body, I'm going to go to a small group, I'm going to commit to read the verse of the day or a half a chapter and chapter, whether I understand it fully or not, whether I get five out of 
40 scriptures, I'm going to commit to it. You know what Galatians 6.9 says? When you commit to loving your spouse as Christ loved the church, when you lay your life down for others who don't deserve it, when you're a bridge to Christ, which please remember means you get stepped on sometimes, you get used and abused sometimes, you get talked about sometimes. Do you know what Galatians 6.9 says? It says this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will do what? Reap a harvest if we don't give up. Please don't give up. Your harvest is closer than you think. I don't know what that means for everybody in the room. I don't know what that means for everybody online. But I just know the Bible is accurate for everyone who reads it, who sees the words of God. I don't know what your not give up is. I just know there's a harvest on the other side of that not giving up. And I can't give you timelines. If I could give you a timeline, I'd give myself a timeline first. Can I get an amen? I can't give you a timeline. I can give you the scripture. I can give you the word of God. I can tell you that God is everything in his time, and it's perfect. The old folks used to say, he's never early, he's never late, but he's what? Anybody remember that coming up when you're just impatient? He's on time, and and let me help you with this definition of the harvest, because it can be confusing in our modern culture. Here's the definition of the harvest. Harvest means the gathering of things planted, a natural time of reaping and joy, what has been produced during the year. And so now I ask you, when you think about areas of your life, are you tilling or are you reaping in those areas? Start in your personal heart and your mind. Start in your home. Go throughout your life. I want you to identify the areas where right now you're tilling. It's hard work to do the right thing, to do the godly thing. It's hard work to trust God. It's hard work to believe. It's hard work to give 10%, give offering. It's hard work to be at church on a Sunday morning when you could be your only day to sleep in. You've got kids. You've got a lot going on. It's hard work to tune in online. It's hard work to hear an encouraging message when everything around you feels discouraging. It's hard work. But here's what you'll find out. A boat doesn't sink because what's in it. A boat sinks when the things on the outside get in it. And when you begin to understand the principle of sowing and seeds, you stay encouraged. You stay focused on God and the things of God. You let him take care of all the other noise and the static. You saw from Genesis on up to Galatians what our job, what our mandate is to do is to trust God in every way. And the scripture also tells this, that as we begin to sow, and this is going to excite some of you, if you're like me, if you understand this principle, and you're encouraged by it. This next scripture will encourage you. Watch what it says. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, remember this. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. They must have forgotten it, so he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also do what? Reap sparingly. Remember the, the laws that got sent from, from Genesis on up? Now, we're not New Testament, okay? After Jesus. The law is still relevant. And whoever sows generously will also Reap generously. Now, if we expand this message from tithing, our 10% offering, to our relationships, to how we live for God, to how we honor God, to how we encourage others, and how we're just trying to live for Him and embody Him in everything we do. Remember, the Bible says you and I are a written epistle, read of men. They won't read the Bible, they will read our lives. If we expand this message, 
That means the more you sow, the more you will reap. And not just in those areas. So if you sow more financially, that might not just be an immediate hundredfold blessing financially. It might be in your marriage. It might be with your children. It might be mental health. It might be emotional health. Once again, you've got to have a balanced approach to these things. But what you are told and what the Scripture declares is the more you sow, the more opportunities you have to reap. And you know what I trust God? I trust Him that as the more I sow, the more I'm going to reap in the areas that He desires for me to reap in. It's not up to me to figure out where I'm going to reap. Courtney and I, we made a decision over 20 years ago. We're going to be generous givers in everything we do. It's not up to me if he wants to bless me financially. If he does, great. If he doesn't, that's fine. But those blessings are coming in different areas of life. Strength, peace, purpose. The older I get, the more I appreciate just a good night of sleep with no stress. The older I get, no news is good news. I don't want any new news. I got to handle what's going on right now in life. I don't want any new news. You know what I'm saying? But when you read these scriptures, I want to help you understand them. That as you sow more, you open up capacity for more, for God to do different things in your life. Why? Because you're just embodying Jesus. You're embodying what many of us don't even correlate right now, the sacrifice of God. It's not going to be on the screen, but in Romans 1.3, you know what Jesus is called? He's called the seed of David. Do you know that? Romans 1.3. Jesus is called the seed of David. What does that tell you and me? that God doesn't ask you not to do anything he hasn't already done. He asks you financially for a seed, but he gives everything through Jesus. He asks you for a seed on that job when you can have the last word and you don't have the last word because you just bite your tongue. He asks you, although you're right, you can still be wrong, so just let it go and pray for the person or pray for the situation. But he doesn't ask you to do anything that he hasn't done. He gave the greatest seed this world ever needed. And that was in the person of Jesus. So here's how I want to close out our time here together today. I want you to pray with me, but before you pray, I want you to think about throughout your life the seeds that have been planted generationally, the seeds that have been planted in 2022. Because what many of us don't know is that um, we planted seeds in 2022 just with knowing and unknowingly. And and they're there in 2022, but we're here in 2023 and we're living in those seeds. So what you might not know is that although every day we're living in 2023, the seeds we're planting now are preparing us for seeds in 2024. And I hope a bit of that imagery helps you to see that there are seeds there that you're living in now. And if you don't like areas of life now, don't blame your spouse, don't blame your boss, don't blame the economy. Don't blame everyone and everything else. I want you to look back to those seeds. Because the Bible says God is not beholden to economies. The Bible says God's not beholden to people. That he rises up one king and one king falls. The Bible says he starts the hearts of kings. The Bible says everything is in his hands. So what I commit to doing in my life, what I want to ask you to commit, look back on those seeds of 2023. Look back on the generational seeds. Because those of us who are raising children, the things that we say that we don't like, go back to the seeds of neglect of lack of Bible study, devotion, of lack of whatever that is, and then prepare ourselves to walk into the harvest of what the next year will be. And so we've got two months left in the year. We're living in 10 months worth of seeds right now. Two months left if we walk into a new season, walk into a new year. What does that look like? 
That's where I want to finish the message today. What does that look like? For some of you, it needs to land immediately. There are so many seeds that you have planted right now. You're walking through not a harvest, but weeds. And can I give you permission today? Start pulling those weeds in prayer today. God, I missed the mark there. I was unprayerful. I was unfocused. I was compromised. I was lackadaisical, not on my job, but spiritually. Like, I did a great job, made a lot of money, made a lot of progression in this area of my life, but spiritually, I'm on E. My spiritual tank is empty. Start pulling those weeds out and be more intentional about the seeds you're going to plant moving forward. Because God desires that. For some of you, there's some generational seeds. It's a bigger conversation than I have time for, but there's some generational seeds that right now you need to recognize that just because they've been planted, and just because they're a part of your current life and your current makeup, doesn't mean they have to be moving forward. That you can begin to start tilling the ground afresh and anew because you desire a different harvest moving forward. So if you'll bow your heads with me, Lord, we want to respond to this message from your word in a way that moves us forward, God. Lord, in a way that you begin to speak to our hearts and reveal to us, God, the seeds that we are planting in our minds, in our hearts, the seeds that we're planting in our homes, the seeds that we are planting in our relationships, Lord, in our finances, in every other way, Lord. You begin to reveal this to us and show us and give us a right heart and a right perspective, Lord. And where the weeds are, Lord, give us the strength and the courage to pull those today. Lord, there might be some unintentional seeds that have been planted that you're now bringing to mind. Lord, we are sorry that the unintentional thoughts, habits, behavior, even words, because they hold weight. Forgive us for those things, God. And through the teaching of your word, Lord, let us begin to till the ground today and, and sow seeds, Lord God, that are going to lead to life and godliness, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, being faithful and committed to your unchanging laws. We receive this, God. We receive your word. Lead us in God as I pray in your ways. With your heads bowed, I want to pray for the person who's far from God today. I know that terminology is is wide open because that might be where you are. Maybe you prayed a prayer some years back, but you've wandered away from God. I'm so encouraged to tell you today is your day to come back. And for others of you, you've never prayed a prayer. But today will be the opportunity to pray a prayer and receive the Lord, whether you're in the building or online. So that's you today. As a church family, we're going to pray with you and believe that God's going to do something great in your life. That today will be a seed planted that will take you through eternity. Church, let's pray with those who are praying this prayer. Lord God, we believe in you. We repent of our sins and the wrong seeds planted. Holy Spirit, come into our lives and change us. Give us a hunger for your word and for discipleship. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Put your hands together for all those who prayed that prayer. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, please check out our website at LegacyChurchAI.org or follow us on social media at LegacyChurchAI. We'll see you next time.